And here we are. What a pleasure. Once again. An absolute pleasure to see the two of you. I want to tell you both, you've been like brothers to me. (laughs) You want to tell us, but you're not going to. Um... This is uh this is always a blast. It's always a great thing. Every well, week. We haven't yeah. been doing it that long. So, you know. There's time for it not to be so fun. There's time for it to wear, there's plenty of time for it to wear thin. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but it's nowhere close to wearing thin for me. My ride is here. I've got to go. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So uh, for those of you joining us uh, for the first or last time, this is the Arkin Brothers talking about movies. And uh, sorry, that's... Uh, that's, that's Brooklyn. That's Brooklyn yeah. for you. Sorry. Uh, that's uh, that's going to go on. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to this channel and uh, click the bell icon when you do so that you get updates of all of our upcoming events. We're probably going to be doing this every day. <laughs> <laughs> At least until there's a vaccine. Yeah. We just <laughs> talk about movies. You know, for those of you who don't know, the genesis of this show is this is pretty much what we were doing privately, and we decided why not share it with the world. We it's figured, mostly- hey, since we're doing this anyway for no money, why don't we do it on camera for no money? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and open ourselves up to ridicule and yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah. And, and why not? And the, uh, the inevitable question, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we have an hour and a half probably to tell you who we think we are. Yeah. <laughs> so buckle in. <laughs> it's gonna be a rough ride. So, um, uh, so tonight, um, we're gonna be talking about 1984's Little Drummer Girl. We might talk a little bit about the more recent Drummer Girl on uh, Little Drummer Girl. On I'm the- not gonna talk about that. I'm not talking about it because I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't either. I have. I have. I don't want to say anything about it, one way or another. I checked in on. I checked in on it last night. I watched the first episode last night to um, to put some things in perspective for myself. To contextualize. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do you see this new Little Drummer Girl? Uh, you can get it with a. Uh, free subscription to some already too complicated yeah amazon prime i watched it okay prime for a dollar 99 an episode is it is it an amazon show or or no it was it was bbc one okay and there's some premium subscription service that you can get it on or you can buy it by the episode on on amazon prime and uh instead of klaus kinski you get Michael Shannon. And instead of whoever the actor was, I'm forgetting his name, who played Joseph in the 1984 version, you get Alexander Skarsgård. And instead of Diane Keaton, you get Florence Pugh. Oh, who's actually becoming quite a big uh, deal right now. Yeah. Florence Pugh was in Midsommar, I think, that that film. Uh, And she was great in that. And... Glad to see she's 
she's doing work. That's great. It's hard to work. So I'm glad she's working. Yeah. Um, so what do we think of this movie? Well, hold on. Let's. We oh. haven't given a pre. That's not a preamble. That's not anywhere close that's to the kind of preamble that this film or any other film deserves. Okay. All right. Uh, you don't introduce the film by talking about the mini series they did around it. I don't. I think it's all inappropriate. Um, so, uh, you know, as we usually do, let's just run down the stats and the basics. We've got Little Drummer Girl. Uh, 1984 was the release date on this movie, directed by George Roy Hill of the Sting fame. Uh, very famous director who is a little bit under under discussed. Made a lot of great movies. Slap Shot. Uh, great Waldo Pepper. Great Waldo Pepper. Butch Cassidy and Butch Cassidy, yeah. How could I forget that one? So he's a great director. This is his second to last film that he ever made, um, and this is a uh, a espionage thriller uh, based on a very famous Jean Le Carré novel. Uh, from what I've read, I've not read any Jean Le Carré, but I've, 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 I'm told it's his best book or considered his best book by people online that wrote things that I don't know whether to believe or not. Um, and well, uh, it follows me is going somewhere because he a lot of his stuff was truly, truly great. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy is a, a, a definitive work in the genre. Um, so I'm told, not read uh, a, a lick of uh, Jean Le Carré. Um, and so this, I think, was the first adaptation of a Le Carré thing. I might be wrong about that, but um no, the spy who came in from the cold, I think, was well before this. Yes. Okay. All right. Um written by uh Loring Mandel. The screenplay was by Loring Mandel, who's mostly a TV writer. Um, with a great production group of people in production that I'll I'll get into later. Um a German DP uh by the name of Wolf Wolfgang Trau or True. Um, his big claim to fame here would have been working on the electrical department of Das Boot, but he he was the cinematographer on a lot of uh, German films that I haven't seen. Um, and uh, the cast is is extensive, and it's really a vehicle for um, for Diane Keaton. Who uh, who plays an actress and who gets embroiled in uh, an espionage plot? Um, that's all I can say about it right now because it's very twisty and turny, and uh, Matthew is going to have to take lead on any kind of descriptions because I was a bit confused. I will completely admit to being rather confused for many of the times of the movie. Really, I'm I'm surprised to hear that. Well, I'm not an S. I'm not. I don't really follow t twisty narratives very well. To uh -huh. be on, I'll be totally honest. Like I, I really don't. It takes me a few viewings to get something like that uh, remotely clear for me. Uh -huh. um, and I enjoy those movies a lot, but I end up having to rely on on other things to get to get through the experience, like atmosphere, characters. Uh, situational things in the movie but machinations of this plot were a little confusing for me well there are definitely a lot of things in the plot of this movie uh that rely on you to know certain methods that are that are 
real in the espionage world. Uh, just for example, there's one line in the movie uh, where Klaus Kinski comes into where they're holding the fellow prisoner, and one of the one of the people who's been questioning him says uh, he's had seven seven days and nights in the past three days. And if you don't know what that means or what those interrogation methods are, that's gonna that's gonna lose you completely. Oh, we lost your sound, Anthony. That's 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 not actually you know a complaint of movies. It's actually a complaint of myself. I I I, you know. But it's it's not a complaint I, about you. It's that that there there's it, this is one this is a genre that if you're not really versed in it, if it's not something you read and watch, mm -hmm. no matter how well they unless they spell it out for you in a way that would be bad movie making, I think you're not going to get it. Okay. It would be like going to see a Chinese movie and having them stop every once in a while and saying, let us explain this for you Americans out there. You don't want them doing that. That would be bad movie making. I, uh, I think, I think the movie, I mean, my instinct is I, I I'm not, I'm not a, a, a scholar on spycraft or, or all things uh, espionage, but I, I, I feel like this movie really works incredibly well on, on just an emotional level. Um, e even if there are intricacies of the plot that are, are a little confusing. Um, and I will say this, that there, there are plenty of plots that, that I have seen in initial viewings of things that remain confusing no matter how many times I see the film. But, but this is a movie that I've watched probably now about seven or eight times. Um, oh, wow. And, um, and it, it, the, 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 the intricacies of the plot are, I think, quite brilliant. And, and they're also emblematic, I, I feel, of, of, um, of Jean Le Carré's actual experience in the world of espionage. Um, and, um, and I, 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 it really holds up on multiple viewings, this movie, because, uh, because it is dense, but, but, but it tracks like crazy, uh, if you, if you, if you watch it more than once. Uh, did you, you've watched it that many times this week, just preparing for the show. I'm so impressed. I watched it that many times today. I'm, I'm, wow. I'm exhausted. I'm like, wow. I, I, you put me to shame. I've, I, yeah. I've seen it exactly one and I, a half times. I just pounded Adderall and ran it on a loop. Wow. All, that's, that's intense. Over. It's such a trippy movie too. So I can imagine that experience would be completely hallucinogenic. Yeah, no wonder was, you liked it. In the other room I had El Topo play. <laughs> yeah. Stere um, stereophonically that's great um what what well in spite of the fact that you're 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 not you don't feel you're like an aficionado of, of spycraft movies what did you think of it Tony? i will admit to having some some mixed feelings about the movie i i but honestly you're you're in there's two things that are making me want to go back to see it now and and the first is your 
you you've gone to bat for this movie very heavily like eight times and you've really no that's like you clearly like this movie and see something in it that i didn't catch this first viewing um i had my sleeves rolled up i completely love george roy hill he actually slapshot is 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 as wrong a movie as could be for today but it is one of the funniest movies for me ever made I love that little romance is a great great movie the sting is a great movie butch cat i mean he's a great talent i love his stuff i i had a little trouble finding figuring out why they tapped him for this movie i i, I was i was a little bit like this is so not like a george roy hill movie in 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 every way it's nothing shaggy or funny about it. There's nothing, you know, uh, there's nothing kind of like. Um, well, I don't know. Backing up the car and crashing it and then not being able to park and singing downtown. That that stuff had me cracking up. That's different kind of humor that I'm talking I'm, about. I'm, but I'm I mean, kidding. like, I, I'm, being, I, I'm being a little facetious. And I was left feeling like I, I didn't I didn't totally get the understand the uh what i was supposed to feel uh for these people other than really sad for their experiences and what they went through and maybe that's all that was being asked of me but there i didn't know if that ending for instance was supposed to be ironic or i didn't quite know how to feel about it or her and now it occurs to me maybe that's part of the puzzle or part of the thing i i, I don't know and i think that I've also been thinking about it all day today because I saw it. We saw it yesterday and I can't, I really can't stop thinking about the movie. Oh, that's cool. You know, like there's things about it. It started to be going, well, what did I, would I have responded more if it had been cast differently or, or if another director had done it or what was the thing that I couldn't hook into? And then it generated into me just genuinely thinking about the situation she was in and, the things that I really did love and couldn't stop thinking about. So I, it's that kind of weird experience where I'm like, I, I think I miss something and I want to go back. I, um, I, I hope you do uh, because it, it um, having watched it multiple times and then, and then watching it again in preparation for, for tonight, it, um, I, I always end up getting very emotional in that movie. Um, the moment when uh, Khalil, the the terrorist that uh, well the, the the terrorist that that the Mossad is trying to the big fish that they're trying to get, and they use okay Diane the King. brother of the one that they've been torturing in that room, and then they okay. use Diane Keaton to kind of. Uh, flush him out mm -hmm. um the moment at the end of the film you know when when he realizes that she has set him up and she says to him like who are you who are you working for who are you and she goes she's terrified and she goes like i i, I i'm nobody i'm nothing you know um it, it, it ends up always breaking my heart. Mm. Uh, and um, and the, the, I guess also the overlap of, of, uh, of show business 
and activism mm-hmm. and and the um, the the potential for that to become a a a, a really ripe field of uh, you know or potential for dilettante dilettantism mm-hmm. you know passionate feeling about you know the the downtrodden or a political cause but that that but but that is is superficial because it's giving someone a sense of purpose yeah. and make, making them feel plugged into um, um, you know uh, su- subjects with gravity uh, but but it, it can be compensating for the fact that that someone doesn't really know who they are or what their purpose in life is that's really interesting wow and, uh, and I, I feel like the film is really consciously or, or and and I would imagine the book is really consciously about that and how these these guys that are are serious players in the game are are looking for ways to exploit people who um, who have a kind of superficial need to feel plugged into, uh, you know, a, a global subject. I don't mm. know. It, it really look. That's to- that's really interesting, and I, you know, it's that's a deep take on it. That now that I'm, I can, I can liter, I can now it clicks into place in a certain in a certain way. Uh, now, I, now it's definitely something I, I want to review because I knew I knew it was working on a level on some level because George Roy Hill to me is too smart a director right to to I mean I I didn't feel like he just did this as a money thing I mean it seemed like an interesting enough project for him to be really excited about doing right yeah um and she didn't show up for just any old movie Diane Keaton back particularly then like it was like um I remember I don't think she'd worked for a while when this came out or something or she was trying to re I just remember this movie being a really big big thing for her at the time it was it, well, it, was, it, her, it was her carrying a film for one thing had she not really done that before I can't remember I don't think so I mean even Annie Hall she was the title character and, and was this before Annie Hall I don't remember um, no, this was this was way after, this was ten years after Annie Hall. Yeah, but uh, but Annie Hall, in some ways, you know, Woody Allen carried that. This this is her. And, and in, sure, but in every way, Annie Hall is nothing without her presence. <laughs> like it's nothing. So it's interesting. You did uh, you worked with Diane Keaton, didn't you? I did. Um, I did uh, hanging up with her that she she starred in and directed okay and and i and i i'm haunted by um i'm haunted by by something that that i I, i'm afraid went awry with her but i i don't i i'll i'll probably never know if it did or not but um i was playing meg ryan's husband in that and she was directing and it was a lovely experience Nora Ephron's script, and um, and at one point in a break, um, Diane Keaton said, uh, 
they were lighting or something. And she looked over at me and she said, I wish we were acting in a scene together in this movie because I just, I would just wipe the floor with you. And she was, <laughs> I, and, and, I, and she had been very supportive and, and great as a director. So I, I felt like, okay, she's, she's joking and she's screwing around with me. And, uh, and when the, when my, when my part was done on the film, I wrote her a note and I said, you know, thank you for a wonderful experience. And, you know, I too am sorry that we didn't get to actually act together because at this point I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you, you would realize that I would have wiped the floor with you. <laughs> and. Oh dear. Didn't go. <laughs> yeah. And after, and after, and after a couple of weeks, a, a, a big box arrives at the house and, uh, and there's a note in it and she goes, and in the note, it was from Diane Keaton. She goes, Oh yeah, sucker fuck. Here's just a small sampling of my work. And in the box were like DVDs or not even DVDs. I think they were at that point, like VHS, uh, tapes of all of her great films, like wow. Annie Hall, Little Drummer Girl, a million other things. And, and, and it was, and I couldn't tell if it was like, I couldn't tell if it was her way of like continuing the joke and sending me a bunch of, of things to have in the library, or if it was really her thinking that I had been intentionally saying like, I, I could wipe the floor with you. I, I, I have to think that she was in on the joke and felt I, I that. Hope I hope yeah. I hope she was in on the joke because, yeah. I mean, I think that. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm just going to open it up here. I think that your work in Full Moon High would wipe the floor with her work in The Little Drummer Girl. Thanks, Matthew. I, <laughs> I think I know where you're coming from. <laughs> no, I mean, I I did not buy this movie. I love this book. And, and I love the story. And I see and agree with everything you're saying that you're pulling out about the depth of the story. And I didn't see any of it in the performances and the movie. Really? Uh, yeah, I, 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 the movie, the, the tone of it, is she struck, I, I felt that they portrayed her not so much as a dilettante as an idiot and the, and just not very bright, um, and not very talented in, 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 I, I think work. that was on purpose. I, I, I mean, that's one of the things I love about the movies. <clears throat> that she, in, in the scenes that you see her uh, working with her theater company, it feels like a conscious choice to be that they are kind of a second string, you know, a group of people trying to carve a life for themselves. Enough so that the idea of getting a commercial for a wine that shoots on location is the big event of, of, you know, of their careers. Yeah. But my question is that if you're that bad an actor, how good are you going to be at espionage? 
You don't have to be good at espionage. Well, you just but have I mean, to, you just have to effectively fall in love and be malleable. Yeah, you know, screw both of you guys. <laughs> not, um, no, I, I, I thought I thought Bill Nye gave the best performance in the movie, um, and Klaus Kinski was a close second. Well, I, yeah, Klaus Kinski. I, I, I mean, I could go on about him forever. I, I, he I thought was he was spectacular. He's incredible. He lit up the screen for me. Yeah, and I, and I bought him in that position. Um, I that really came alive for me during that interrogation sequence. That that part of the movie, that long, long sequence where she's there, I guess overnight, but it feels like it goes on for a couple of days or something. It's kind of disjointed in how it's edited. Brilliantly edited. Brilliantly edited by. Do we know who the editor was? Do you guys know? We no. Find out. Oh, no, only the guy that cut the Godfather, oh, and, really? and the Sting, and Sound of Music, and a lot of other amazing films. But that's some great work from him in the movie. Um, and I, I thought those scenes were really, really fascinating. And I felt like in those scenes, I was in it and learning stuff about that world and how it worked in a kind of legit way. Um, and I guess at the time because the movie because now, now i really am curious to see uh it a little bit more deeply but at the it, when i saw the my first reaction to it was that i was expecting um a more atmospheric lush experience out of it and it's a very dry movie it's extremely dry um in the way it's shot it's not there's there's nothing gilded about it at all you know it's 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 very german in the way it's shot very very clinical which i like and admire a lot i was expecting to be to be in the world of the romance that she thought she was in right and so i was kind of expecting and, and admittedly a movie like um uh a movie like uh you know like the peter weir film uh with sigourney weaver um you're living dangerously which is a movie I, I i love a lot um i kind of was expecting that kind of entrancement with the at with the locations and the atmospheres and the romance of it and i was really surprised at how how kind of cold and clinical this view of her and this world was so uh it what felt maybe a little cognitive dissonance for me at the time actually now you know it's a case for it actually being kind of meta like that, that's, you know. part of, I, that's actually part of what i love about the movie is that it is it's a movie about war to me and the two factions that have stakes in it are willing to do anything and use anybody in order to uh, accomplish what they need to accomplish. And to, to me, part of what the movie is about is that if you, if you enter that world and you don't have um, a, a, a horse in that race, you're doomed. 
you know that that if you if you if you set foot in the world of that kind of war and you don't have a passionate agenda you're going to be burned up and used like like a um, like a piece of trash mm-hmm. you know and and ultimately that that's that's what I feel like happens to her over the course of the film, you know, and, and, and she's left with, with absolutely, she's just hollowed out by the time the film is over because she didn't, she didn't really have, um, she had, she had no business being in the midst of that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have a question that I guess would be for both of you because this also would pertain to the book too. I, I, I was I, I admittedly a little confused as to as to her continued motivation to be there. Uh, I, it, and, I, and I could see it a bunch of different ways. I mean, my kind of take on it for a bit was like, is she is she like a, a, a an espionage junkie? Is she just kind of turned on by? Because she does, I don't, it's like this love affair kind of, but it's, she's in love, she kind of is in love with maybe a bunch of different people or is in, like, the moment where she's in in bed with the guy we think she's in love with throughout most of this movie, this this yeah. guy who kind of like in, in the movie Notorious is guiding her through this dangerous dangerous world and her kind of her lover stand-in lover at first and then actually a lover joseph yes joseph and he who's played by i've got it up here uh yorgo voyages yeah a greek actor yes and um she says uh she starts like looking at his body and asking where he got the scars and he's explaining like this is a stab wound from this this thing and i was tortured here and you know and it's a it's a really lovely moment between them. And then the same moment happens again with the villainous guy at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, this this gives everything away, but you know, I how villainous is he, you know? Well, the I mean villainous in the sense that he's set up to be the villain. And, and I'm perfectly happy to say that this is really a, a, a gallery of robes. I mean, like, there isn't really a lot of there's no one at the end of this movie that I feel good about. Like, I don't think feels like everybody's pretty compromised uh, as a human being by, by this lifestyle, uh, you know, but what do you, what's the takeaway? What is it in the book, Matthew? How, how, what is, uh, I, read, I read the book so long ago okay. um, that I don't, I don't really remember um, the moral, the moral, uh side of it in the book the moral point of view of the book i know she starts out with kind of a you know um basic interest in the middle east crisis and 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 sympathy for uh for um palestine uh but but as it went i just didn't quite know what i was what i was as an audience supposed to be feeling about where she was was she in love with did she did she did she love the excitement did she fall in love with literally a couple of three of these guys because she kind of falls in love with the first guy with the mask on that she meets at that meet at that 
Well, sure, I got definitely romantically attracted to him. Like idealizes this mysterious guy who's at this lecture and but that, that, that's what that's what pegs her as as a candidate. Oh yeah, that I buy. And, I, and all I'm saying is that I, I couldn't quite figure out what her thing was by the end of it. Was she was she was she I don't know was she was she I, I, I really, I'm sorry to jump in, and I know you're yeah. asking Matthew this question. But, it was for both of you. But I, but I think, I really feel like that is what the movie is about. The, 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 the you know, when, 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 um, when the guy, uh, when Khalil, the guy that, that she's in bed with at the end, realizes that the radio is a homing device and that he's been set up. He says to her, you know, who he literally says to her, like, who are you? Who are you working for? Who are you? And she goes, I, I, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. And I, and I feel like, I feel like the film is, if you take away all the espionage and all the other stuff about the plot, that, that, that the film ends up being about the danger of not knowing who you are, of not having a center. And I, and I feel like her character is, you know, she's an actress and she has aspirations and she has uh, uh, a desire to be um, effective and, and, and meaningful, but, she, but, but there's something empty about her. And, and in that emptiness, the, 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 the powers that be recognize an opportunity to exploit something. And that, that, that's part of what I think the film is very consciously about. That's really interesting, man. Yeah. I'll buy, a, I'll buy a lot of that. Yeah. There's also I people real estate i'd like to sell the two of you well you know i think this is actually there's an interesting piece of this though because i i started becoming aware uh, of diane keaton you know a little at, like around this time 84 i wasn't like watching annie hall as a kid i i was I was watching other kinds of movies and stuff. And then, so I, in a way, her persona at the time was, was then perfectly tuned to what you're talking about, but she's since kind of gone on to represent a much more uh, iconic, maybe feminist persona or, or person with a lot of depth and gravitas, but I guess earlier on, she was kind of not known for playing. She was kind of known for playing characters who were a bit lost, right, and a bit flighty, and and not um, not necessarily that pro like professional career grounded people. Is that true, or or is that not true? Uh, I, I can't make a general uh, statement about it, but 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 she certainly, yeah, she certainly sort of. I don't know. I mean, The Godfather. She she was playing someone who was 
Um, she was certainly uh, kind of being duped about some some aspects of the life she was entering in that film. Um, and Annie Hall, she played a, a, a kind of flighty, God. I, I well, I mean, I, I don't want to. We I have IMDb right here. I, I'm looking for Mr. Goodbar. She was playing somebody who's pretty lost. Yeah. Very lost and very yeah. Um, I mean, she'd already done Reds. She had done Reds by the time she did Little Drummer Girl. Yeah, two movies before she did Reds and Shoot the Moon before Little Drummer Girl. Really? Wow. Okay. Um. So my my assessment's wrong. Reds, she played a very strong yeah. character with a lot of you know. So that's that's not true. I was trying to think of what you know of of because I, ha I I was reading up at this and I know that when I saw the movie I was like you know I I wonder who like what so I sometimes recast stuff in my head like what would it be like if someone else played it or whatever and I thought something about this I bet was originally British. Like it's La Carre, it's a it's an actress doing Shakespeare. So I'm wondering, like, well, what's and I read that Vanessa Redgrave was the person he wrote it for, and um, and was widely considered to be the the you know that that was her for many years. People just assumed that this character was Vanessa Redgrave, partly because she is so political and and um and um. And she was very, she was very aligned with the Palestinian uh, cause. Uh -huh. um, John Le Carre had a half sister who was a, um, a, a kind of politically uh, radical, and uh, apparently this character, uh, she was the inspiration for for aspects of this character right and, and and obviously his his sister his half sister was was english right well i want that i want to find that gut punch in the movie that you find in it because i wasn't gut punched but i hear you man i feel like i got punched by a similar movie i feel like um falcon and the snowman has certain parallels to this film you know, and that movie guts me when I see it. But uh, but I, something interesting about how the world of of, uh, of espionage and spycraft will devour any civilian that decides to kind of enter that yeah. realm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think the argument could be made that we have uh, an administration that, that's reflecting that at the moment. <laughs> yes, you could. Yeah. Favorite moments in the movie? Things that stood out to you? Are you asking? Are you asking Adam either, or me? Either of you? I know Adam. Adams. Adams talked about. I have a favorite moment in the movie. What is it? When they're, when Klaus Kinski tells them to make the decision and settle their minds about whether or not they're going to kill Michelle. 
And he says that and then turns around and picks up the phone to call his family. Yeah. That that's that's what he's... He's going to check in at home while they're deciding to whether or not to kill the guy. Yeah. And and that that spoke... I love that. That just spoke volumes to me about who this guy is and that this is, this is my job and it's what I do. And now I have to check in with the wife and kids and see if everybody's got their homework done. Yeah. And, and um, that's a great moment. Yeah. And, and that, that I, uh, I loved. And I also, um, I loved the, the moment at the end Oh, you know, I wrote this. Yeah. When um, she's doing, a, they have a poster for, I think it's at the end. They have a poster for the Winter's Tale. And the quote from the Winter's Tale on the poster is, thou metst with things dying, I with things newborn. And, and I feel like that's talking about the conflict that you're talking about in the movie that she's naive and 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 uh, in in a sense a baby and looking for life and meaning in life yeah and she gets mixed up with a bunch of people who know death intimately so intimately that they'll call home and check in with the wife and kids while they're deciding whether to kill somebody yeah. um so those were two really nice touches for me. Um, I love Klaus Kinski's entrance into the film when he's posing as the uh, the commercial producer. Yeah, and and I love the I love the actual casting of Klaus Kinski, a German, as the head of this elite Mossad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Israeli uh, espionage unit. Um, and I, I, I also love the, the moment when um, when Khalil, when she's in bed with Khalil and he just and he just suddenly there's no catalyst for it. He's been sleeping and resting. They've, they've made love earlier in the evening and suddenly he just wakes up and knows that something is wrong because he's not hearing any cows. Yeah, there's no. There's no sound, but he that I I I feel like it's such a great character moment in terms of a guy that's been on the run all his life and knows that he has to be on alert even when things are completely silent and peaceful. There's something wrong, and yeah. I, I just love that moment where where his his sixth sense tells him there's something off. I, I think it's great. And her, her moment of, of, he says, there's, there's no cows, there's no traffic, there's nobody going to work, there's no, there's no laborers going to work, there's something off. And she goes, you know, who, well, who, come on, who's going to work at this hour? Who's doing this? And he's in total shadow, but he stops. And, he, and you can't even see his face. And in the in the in the shadow, he says to her, "You know, why why are you apologizing for them?" Yeah, 
and you know like the whole thing is turned to shit. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not yeah. a good, not not a good moment. Um but you guys didn't like the movie, so to hell with it. <laughs> No, I, I I I see what you I see what you're saying, and it, it's um, I'm not suddenly enjoying it more, but I'm 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 seeing the other side of it. Um, uh, I'm either a, a big enough man to know that I might be wrong, or I have no convictions and I'm willing to blow with the wind, you know, one or the, one or the other of those things. That's why you would be a perfect recruit for I'd the Mossad. For the Mossad. <laughs> you know, you, you love, you love uh, Klaus Kinski, a German playing the head of this unit. Uh, there are German Jews. I love Michael Shannon, an Irishman playing the head of this unit. That, there's that this that's um uh it's uh it's 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 uh it's an interesting choice what's interesting in the in this other version of it this bbc version um she's very very smart the uh, uh the 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 actor but she um, still she still gets manipulated by everybody uh, I've only watched the first episode, so it, the first episode ends with uh, this wonderful moment where the way they get her to Greece is um, her company, her little company has just closed a production of something, and the conceit is that some rich guy came to see it and loved it and wants to bring the whole company to Greece to perform there. Ah, so it's not a commercial. It's not a commercial. So she goes to Greece and then sees Alexander Skarsgård there, but she'd seen him in the audience. Um, and, and they start the affair. And there's different people around. There's this woman, Rose, who befriends her on the beach, and then different people. And then... She goes away with Alexander Skarsgård to Athens for that wonderful scene at the Acropolis, which they do very beautifully in this. Um, and then he, then it turns into where she, she's taking her somewhere and she starts realizing, wait a minute, I don't know you. And this is starting to feel like a kidnapping and he won't stop the car. And he finally pulls up to this house. And when she gets out of the car, all of these people who she's been seeing in Greece for the past week oh, are wow. there. And it's like, oh, shit. Who... So he introduces her to his company. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, so we're just about to step into that scene where they are telling her they have a part for her. Uh, but it's, it, 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 I feel very, I was going to just watch the first episode and now I want to watch the rest of it because I'm really interested to see, you know, the, the way they manipulated this person who doesn't have much going on, it's going to be really interesting to see what they have to do to manipulate somebody who's got a real spine. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see what they do with that. 
um, uh, I think we got to get, I know I, I, we can't stop without giving a shout out to, you know, like Henry Bumstead. I mean, come on. I think one of the biggest things about this movie is the design of it. And I think it's one of the more purposefully ugly films, which I actually really admire about it. It's, I think it's actually really handsomely made and unattractive for on purpose. And I think that's really smart. And it's, 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 it was a little strange to be going to all these amazing locations, but only kind of seeing the armpit parts of them, which is a very, which is actually, when you come to think of it, that's what this would be like. You wouldn't be, you know, we go to the Acropolis for a second, but most of this is in like weird back houses in the woods or dirt roads off to the side of places. And it's shot pretty clinically in that kind of austere way. And um, adding to that, you know, Henry Bumstead, the designer, the production designer on this, I mean, you know, this guy's pedigree, right? What he's done. So Bumstead Matthew like did Vertigo, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I know. know To Kill a Mockingbird a little bit. A little bit. So he's one of the great production designers, and um, the work on costumes and set decor and set and and that the 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 design of it to look completely undesigned and 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 uh, and uh, real was was kind of brilliant. I thought that was really notable. When we. Uh on the Americans uh, after the, the pilot had been done and, and, um, and we had to find a look for the, the show at the period, uh, uh, Richard Rutkowski, the, the, the cinematographer. Oh, the Americans, right? And yeah, um, we, we screened a number of movies from the period because the, the first season of the Americans takes place in the early 80s. And, um, and one of the things I really wanted to avoid was, was doing um, a contemporary take on the 80s and the, you know, and the excesses, the, the cliches of 80s cinematography. But, but trying to find a way to make the 80s look like the 80s and, and incorporating uh, some, of the, some of the best sort of minimalistic work of the 80s that didn't have a lot of mannerisms to it. Uh, and this was one of the movies we screened, Richard and I were just watching it to, to kind of look at what visual elements were, were in the in the movie and, and trying to incorporate that into the first season of, of the Americans. And mm -hmm. I, I think the things that were incorporated into the first season, you know, I, I think informed the rest of the, the show. Right. But I, I kind of love the sort of non-style. Yeah, it's got no style. It's got no style. And now that we've been talking about the movie, that would, would you know that was something that I found off-putting about it at the time. But now that hearing you talk about it, I'm like, wow. Well, if this is the universe they're trying to portray, then this is exactly, you know, this is how to how to depict it. Um, 
uh, yeah, that's really yeah. fascinating. I love my my favorite moment in the movie, for whatever it's worth, is actually is actually kind of a funny moment because it really captured to me like uh, uh, a perfect George Roy Hill moment. Like this was kind of a moment from a George Roy Hill movie to me. It was the first time we meet. Uh, is it Khalil? Um, yeah. The first time we meet him, and he picks her up in the van. And she's just supposed to meet some guy. She's not, you know, we're not really sure who she's going to meet. She doesn't know if she's going to meet a driver or an important person. And this guy picks her up at the airport or something, and he's in a van. And he's like very inauspicious meeting. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And they get in the, in the truck together. And he says, uh, it's like an awkward moment. He's like, so you like music? <laughs> you like music? Yeah. And she's like, yeah like uh, sure he goes oh great and he puts the tape and it's like this ridiculous kind of like <laughs> disco crappy disco music yeah and yeah, he's yeah. so happy and it's like this genuinely like awkward moment between them and i just i loved that and then when it turns out that he's kind of the main guy they're looking for and you know maybe either the big baddie or the most misunderstood guy in the whole world um it really was a great thing to set him up like that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, I, I love the, the silliness of it, and I love the device of having, like, the big fish kind of, like, it, it, they, they do, cinematically, they, do, they, they kind of capture exactly what her experience is, which is she's not really thinking about this guy. Mm -hmm. And he ends up being... The person that everyone in the film has been looking for. Yeah, um, Sammy Frey, man. Good actor. I mean, Band of Outsiders. Can we just say the man was in Band of Outsiders? I didn't. I. I. I don't know that movie. Me neither. It's Godard's. It's my favorite Godard movie. Not to get too film school about this, but it's. 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 Um. It's the movie that if you don't like French New Wave and you see this one, you're going to like French, no matter who you are, you're going to get it. And it's going to make you cry and laugh and sing and dance in the streets. It's absolutely fantastic. Then it's the movie that Tarantino named his production company after. It's a very, it's a beloved movie. And it has some devices in it that are completely unique. And anybody in that is just Hall of Fame for all time, as far as I'm concerned. One of those spaces. I love I love Sammy Frey's choice in in the scene where he's talking about how he lost his fingers, you know, and and the, the bomb that was sent to him, and 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 through as he's telling the whole story, he just he's just smiling through the whole story, hmm. like yeah, like That's he, right. he's just he's just laughing at what an idiot he was. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, both those characters talk about their injuries in a really interesting, casual way that is uh, very on point. And and the and the fact that that's somehow, I don't think it's an accident that that's somehow eroticized for her. You know? Well, absolutely. I mean, that I got pretty fixated on that part of it, and I and I I think that. In my twisted head, I was like, I was, ex I was expecting more. I was expecting to go more Cronenberg with that a little bit. Honestly, I thought they were going to make her a little more, not just a cipher or kind of a non-entity person, which is just 
a great way to look at this movie. I just hadn't, for whatever reason, framed it that way for myself. I was looking for, I was looking for the American movie promise that this woman has something in her that's worth it, and her dream somewhere, it's love or it's or it's a kink. And I thought, well, for sure, this has got to be in the book about her being kind of having a thing for danger or tough guys or or scars or something about you know something that wasn't about these individual guys and that was just a strange moment that they touch on and it, it's kind of great i guess that it's not fully developed that it's just like maybe that's what she's maybe that's a thing for her you know um you're nodding like you've already you've seen it eight times so you've covered this you know man <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just I, I I hope you'll watch it again. I I, I think I I I, I, I will. I, I absolutely will because uh, the, the of this conversation is because I really am dedicated to to um to this director who I feel like just did does not get in the conversation enough. He critics didn't really love him very much. Um, he was much more. People, people pleasing director than critic pleasing. Just said to settle for making three billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, I guess he did. Yeah. Now I'm curious, just to take this outside the uh, Matthew. Unless you had anything specifically about the movie to talk about, I'm curious of framing it in in terms of what where you were at when you first saw it. Like, did you see this in the theater, Adam? And did it have the same impact on you then? Did you know you loved it this much? right away or was it going back and looking at it again that i actually well th this may inform why it's so meaningful to me but i i actually saw it when i was a prisoner of war okay well <laughs> it's an interesting choice viewing choice <laughs> i thought they only let you see the teletubbies in that scenario <laughs> uh no i i did see it in the theater the first time I thought it was just thomas the train when you're a prisoner of war no <laughs> Uh, no, I, I did see it in the theater the first time. And were you blown away by it or, or did it? I, I, I dug it. I, I, I enjoyed it. I was affected by it. But it's grown on you then. Uh, I don't know that it's, I mean, I, I liked it the first time I saw it. It is, it is, it has stayed with me. And, and in subsequent viewings, I, I feel like I, I keep seeing, um, intention mm -hmm. do you do you are you a uh, george roy hill fan matthew we've never yes. talked about him yeah i loved i loved uh the sting and i loved uh the great waldo pepper that as a i'm guilty never seen it never saw great waldo yeah i i loved that movie um big slap shot fan here and little romance yeah, you know little, little romances. Yeah, I, I love slap shots. So oh much. my god, it's so wrong and so funny. Uh, written written by by a woman, interestingly. Yeah. When I when I learned that, I was I was a bit surprised. Really? Yeah, it it doesn't seem like the kind of movie a woman would want to see, let alone write. But <laughs> she did a great job. Um, Michael Antkeen, right? Michael on few movies. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, Paul Newman, Michael Arnkeen. Maybe my favorite Paul Newman performance. I love that mode of Paul Newman's of yeah. his desperate the desperation mode that he gets in is the funniest. It's just the funniest. 
I love Paul Newman who is just playing like a ne'er-do-well. Oh, it's the greatest. It's the well, greatest. We're going to have Paul Newman next week. I, uh, I, I, I read a great anecdote about Paul Newman uh, on Facebook. Somebody talked about... Um, Somebody talked about being uh, in in Connecticut somewhere on a a beachside community in Connecticut that Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward had a house at. And and this woman went into an ice cream parlor to get some ice cream. And there was only one other customer there and it was Paul Newman. And she lost her shit completely, but tried to keep it together and ordered her ice cream cone, ice cream cone, paid for it, mm-hmm. leaves, gets outside to her car and realizes that she doesn't have her ice cream cone. And she's like, what, what is wrong with me? And she, she goes back into the ice cream parlor and, and, uh, and the woman behind the counter and Paul Newman are still the only other two people in there. They both have these strange grins on their faces and she goes I, I i don't think i took my cone and paul newman looks at her with this big smile on his face and he goes um you put it in your purse <laughs> <laughs> wow that is fantastic <laughs> i totally believe that i totally do i'm i i have the good fortune of meeting him very briefly uh and I, I also uh, had the chance to meet Robert Redford. So I met, I met the both of them, yeah. luckily enough. Paul Newman wins. I'm just going to say this right out front. He wins. I, I was working in a, uh, I, I was working at an editor's office at the, Br- at the Brill Building in, in New York. And, uh, and it was one of those old buildings that had like the sliding, um, sliding great doors on the elevators and, and an oh, yeah. operator yeah and uh and it was all uh it was it was all editing offices and production offices and everything and i i was i was working at an editor's office like delivering sh- you know cuts and and short ends around. i didn't know you did that yeah when i was like 16 17 years old and i um and one one day I'm in the elevator and it, it stops midway on the on the way to the ground floor and Paul Newman stepped on he was I think he was there editing something or and um, and it, it it was mind boggling the the two things the two things that jumped out to me were first of all how small he was he was he was not a big guy yeah but. Uh, all the all the cliches about his eyes. I've never, never seen that color eye yeah. on, on anybody. It yeah, it's startling. Yeah, mom, in fact, has a has a a Paul Newman story that is uh, pretty funny, and um, I think let's save that for one day. We can she can call in the show maybe and can tell that story because I think yeah. it would be worth it to hear it from her. Uh, but it's a, along those lines. And you meet the guy, and it's immediately apparent, like, oh, you're you're just all the things that people say. Uh, you're not you're not faking any of this. 
you know, I met him with Joanne Woodward and they, you know, uh, they came to a show that I, I, I was in because of Kenneth Lonergan, his show was. And they came to see him and I, I happened to be like one of those actors just like in the in the room, just like, oh, my God, it's them. And, you know, he came. She had actually done one performance of this show at a reading with us. So I got to meet her. But he he came with her to the to the evening and it was literally just like. I'm just a suburban guy and this I'm he was behind her like as is just like here's my wife and I you know I'm just I'm just here nice job like he completely normal but not trying to be normal just like yeah. great normal guy yeah. obviously he's also you know done quite a bit for uh, for charity I think uh, has done an enormous amount actually yeah from what yeah. I understand miss him I wish he was still around making some stuff. Yeah, that would be nice. Robert Redford was nice to me. I don't mean to say that he was disappointing or not nice. He was not nice to me. Paul Newman wins. He, he wasn't was, nice to you? I didn't meet him, so he didn't oh. have the chance. Well, he won't be nice. He wouldn't be nice to you if he met you. <laughs> well, you should you should write him and tell him how you feel. I, I I have I still I they, the letters keep get re getting returned. I'm partially bringing this up to see if anybody out there can help me get a letter to Robert Redford. <laughs> Matt, you should write him too and just say like, how come? How come, how, we, how come we've never met? Bob? Why are you, Why are you never nice to me? Yeah, you've just never been nice to me. You've never <laughs> you've never even come over for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Nothing but love your movies, and uh, this is the way you treat me. You, you, yeah. worked, with, you worked with our father, and and the, like, I'm who am I? Like nothing to you? Yeah, I'm nothing to him. Sad, very sad. I had a very sad not meeting Paul Newman story, which was. Did you have a chance to meet Paul Newman? I had a chance to meet Paul Newman. It was during the Sunshine Boys, and and my dressing room was all the way up the circular staircase. So I came down and I came down to the bottom of the staircase and Tony Randall and Jack Clubbingen were standing at the bottom of the staircase with their backs to me. So I couldn't get by them. Okay. And facing them are Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman having just seen the show and they're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. I could have said, excuse me and squeezed by. Yeah. But I didn't because I wanted to meet. You're hoping that maybe by standing there like a yeah. schmuck, someone so I stand say, there like a schmuck on the yeah. stairs, up like a step up from Tony and Jack, who just kept talking to Joanne Woodward and Paul yeah. Newman, and they kept talking to Tony and Jack, and I oh, just no. like it. <laughs> oh, no. And then uh, finally, Joanne Woodward kind of went like this. Yes, because she went back to the conversation, like, right. let me know. She acknowledged my presence and gave me a nod, like, nice performance, and then went back to the conversation, and then I just yeah. stood there like an idiot. But that whole show, that whole show was kind of like that because um, I would come out of the stage door, and, and my son had just been born, right? So I was racing to get home. I was out of that theater so fast every night to get home. And I would I would come out the stage door, and because it was Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, there was a huge crowd every night. And I would come out the stage door, and I would see this. <laughs> and, and, you know, just the whole crowd turned with expectation, and then oh, it's 
It's just him. It's just like a group <laughs> group disappointment. Just a total group sadness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel I, I didn't. I had a new son at home, so you know I win. Actually, you do actually, yeah. And to help with those guys, yeah. not introducing you to Paul Newman. What's that about? Or to Joanne Woodward, who let it be said is is also no slouch. No, in, in the amazing person department, or great actor or cool person. She, yeah. I, I actually got a chance to really work with her a little bit because she literally did a whole. She stepped in and did a, a performance with us of this of Kenneth's play, um, the Waverly Gallery. Short notice, she kind of we lost uh, our lead, couldn't do one of the shows, and she just was up at Williamstown and she just said, "I'll do it. I'll come in and read." She just like saved the show. Like we didn't have a show that day unless she came in and did it. And wow. she rehearsed with us for an hour and was had her book in hand and got stumbled through it and like. You know, it was completely surreal because within I didn't even know this was going to happen until none of us knew this was going to happen until that day. And I'd never met her. And suddenly you're acting with with her on stage in front of people. It was was really something. And she was absolutely the sweetest person. Just a delight. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, so that's my fancy story about my fancy, my fancy ass experiences. <laughs> Very fancy. Yeah. Very fancy. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, have we covered the little drummer girl? I think we've, uh, we've, oh, I have one question. Um, music by Dave Grusin, right? Mm-hmm. There's um a theme in it that is a uh a um sort of take on some popular folk song, right? And I couldn't identify what song it was. Oh, I, I I'll have to go listen to it again. I don't it, know. It, it keeps returning to some theme, and I it, it's not when Johnny went off to war, but it, it's some song i think that is a little drummer boy for rumpa pum pum maybe no it's it's i don't think maybe it is christmas christmas has come early yeah huh all right i didn't i didn't catch that i knew it was gruesome you can tell right away that it's like hey and a little Burt Burt Backrack thrown in there for yeah for good measure oh I think there was the song uh, Hey Nami Nami I'm a Swat (laughs) for the Israelis (laughs) for the Stasi great (laughs) (laughs) that's uh, a classic Shakespearean sonnet (laughs) put to song indelibly (laughs) um yes uh, I didn't have uh, no. I had no other things to say uh, other than uh, it reminded. Oh, I remember uh, the opening is a tremendous. It's a really grabber opening. The, a beautifully done uh, classic spy opener, which really is like uh, it's like that's some cardi- that's some Bresson like 
late Brasson work there. That's some spare, beautiful filmmaking. They blow the shit out of that building. They actually do it too. They blow that building up in yeah. the middle of town. I don't know how. I don't know what they permission they got from the, the yeah. German government there. That was amazing, and and an amazing edit uh, that they have because they cut inside the house. It's very yeah. shocking. They cut inside the, the 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 house where the guy has the briefcase that's going to blow up, and you know what's going to happen. There's a light and effect. There's a light effect. I think it's a practical effect and an optical effect. But they also stop the film for like five frames. Yeah. And it it's this jarring, weird moment where it goes silent and white for a second, and then they cut outside and it blows up. Really, really yeah. cool. It's a residential neighborhood with yeah. buildings all around and they just blow yeah it was like a, it was like a tarkovsky movie you're like how what how did they pull this off yeah and in case you had any question about whether it was a visual effect or something you the camera lingers there and then half the it collapses it yeah yeah itself. and it's like no that wasn't styrofoam that was real yeah that was pretty incredible and honestly bill nye it, it, I, I've never. It's, it's the man had nothing to do, and makes it and makes an impression. Yeah. Like you were like, who is this guy? He should. He she should go with this guy. He should, Why he is should, he, he should you know, work. Yeah, it's yeah. He's a good actor. What can you say? Yeah, all the scientists. <laughs> the best. The best. Who's better than him? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so do we have a movie for next week? We do. Uh, Harper. Oh, speaking starring, of Paul Newman. Starring Mr. Paul Newman, Ms. Lauren Bacall, who your wife has worked with and who you've worked with, right, Adam? I have, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, and Amelia, yeah, she's. I've, I've had the pleasure to meet her. She's amazing. I, I had dinner with her, with you, with her. When Amelia was doing the show? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Julie Harris. Oh, Julie Harris. Now, this is going to be a movie that mom's going to want to see. Because I know mom. mom is, you know, is sitting across the hall from you watching the show. She can't be on the show for some reason. You won't let her in the room. I don't know what's going on. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Hi, mom. Julie Harris movie's coming up next week. You're going to love that. Yeah. And directed by Jack Smite of uh, Twilight Zone fame, apparently. Yeah, and that's what he's mostly known for, I guess. Um, I can't well, I'll wait. Be watching some Twilight Zone this week. Uh, is it? Have we seen Harper? Have you both seen it? I have uh, not seen Harper. I'm looking forward to it. So there we go. Well, so there it is. To even more. What? Uh, is if either one of you really like Harper, I'm telling you all the reasons that I don't like it. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> well, let, let, let's let's be clear about this. You you came in swinging because you picked a movie that you loved. I've not had the courage to do that yet. I've only I've only had the courage to pick movies that I saw twenty years ago. And don't really know what I think now. Uh, you, well, you you have a lot of courage. You saw it 20 years ago and don't know what you think about it. Chances are you didn't really like it all that much. Totally wrong. <laughs> I have, that's completely miswrong. That's no. 
Um, I, I, I've come around on a lot of stuff and I've found some, we found some things that I think are really kind of genius. I in, saw this 20 years ago. I haven't thought about it since, and it's a masterpiece. I thank God it's a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. I'm looking forward to another raging argument between <laughs> all, all of us next week. <laughs> God, we're in different locations. You know, I just thought that I directed Harper. I hope you like it. I, you know. <laughs> I don't All right. Your Twilight Zone. <laughs> hey, so if you guys are out there watching and you haven't subscribed, subscribe and click the bell icon so that you get notifications of our upcoming live streams. And um, this coming Monday on my conversations for actors, authors, and storytellers, I'm going to be interviewing Alfredo Septien and Turi Meyer, who have been co-authors, producers, and directors for over 20 years, um, directing, uh, writing such movies as, I think, Leprechaun, I think they might have written. And they uh, work on Vampire Diaries and a lot of, a lot, a lot of television. So they're... Uh, they're worth listening to um, and join us next week for Harper and more brotherly love. We should do this show in Philadelphia. <laughs> you can, but people can watch it in Philadelphia. They can watch if it. They have YouTube. Yeah. They can do it. All right. Love you guys. See you. See you very soon. See you and next there. week. All right. Bye. Here we go. Oh, hey, and we got to tell people to go to our website. Right, because there's yeah. stuff on there. Yeah, there's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's so many episodes, but there's merch, and there's stuff, and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah. There's a T-shirt. There's a, a Silverado poster, all kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff, it out. Stuff is coming up, too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah, so check it out at arkinbros.com. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.